Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that you're doing really well today, and I hope that your summer's going great. Can you believe it is almost the end of June? I mean, we blinked, and it is the middle of 2021. Oh my goodness, I guess it's true that time flies when you're having fun. I sure hope that you're having fun. I hope that you're making memories and enjoying time uh, with your family and with your friends and with your people. Recently on social media, I asked the question, so what are you doing this summer? And I loved hearing all of the responses. Some people are going to the lake, other people are going hiking. Some people are fishing, you know, some people like me like to just go, you know, shopping or to the spa, you know, there's all kinds of things to do. Um, But there was one reply that really captured my heart and it was from a sweet lady who shared that this summer she's going back to in-person gatherings at her church. You see, because of COVID and some health issues in her family, she had to take a long break. And so this summer she's finally able to return to in-person gatherings. That just blessed my heart because it reminded us of the beauty of gathering with believers, of worshiping together, opening God's word, and then going out on mission together. That brings us to today's episode. Today, we have a special throwback episode that fits perfectly with our God-sized theme for this year. I'm excited to share a conversation I had with Jamie Naramore at a gathering of Arkansas Baptist. Jamie serves as the international church strategist at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. He has a heart for reaching unreached and unengaged people living in Arkansas and beyond. In this episode, you will learn about the exciting work that Jamie and the mission team are doing to share the gospel with people living right here in Arkansas. I want to challenge you to listen to this episode with a heart open to God working in and through you, not only to identify people who need to hear the gospel, but to also get involved in actually sharing the gospel. Friends, may God give us sensitive hearts that are willing to love and to serve the unreached and the unengaged people living in our cities, in our towns, and in our neighborhoods. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jamie Naramore of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, and I hope that you're challenged to get involved in the work that God is doing right here in Arkansas and around the world. Enjoy this episode of Inspire on the Go. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire on the Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth on the Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start today. We are coming to you live from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, our annual meeting, and I have a wonderful guest with me today. It's a guy. Let me just go ahead and say that from the very beginning. We have a guy on the podcast booth uh, here on our podcast today, but I'm so excited for you to meet Jamie Nearmore, for you to hear his story, and for you to hear just a little bit about the work that he's doing here in Arkansas. So, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andrea, for having me. So, does this intimidate you just uh, a little bit. I am so distracted right now, but I need just a big curtain to drop in front of us. So <laughs> you just anyway. may just look right here. You know, just look right stay here. Focused on you. Yeah, That's yeah. right, because there are so many people in this room, and they're all having their own personal conversations. And so you'll hear that just a little bit. But what we have to talk about today is so exciting. You know, we're just first tell us a little bit about you, your family, and your role here at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Jessica. We're coming up on 10 years this summer. 
We have four kids ranging from seven to almost one. Let me just breathe uh, in that yeah. moment for a second. Yeah. And three of them are girls. The three <laughs> younger ones are girls. Uh, my son recently coined the phrase girl locked. Um, okay. So I think all his little friends at school are girls as well, so he can't escape it. Uh, That's so, great. Yeah. We'll, we'll pray for him. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have him on the podcast. Probably so. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be interesting. So, yeah. All right. But, so, so, yeah, we... Um, We've been married about 10 years. We've served in a couple different ministry positions um, in this state. It's doing student ministry. We've served in Texas. Um, but now with the ABSC, uh, my official title is International Church Strategist. And I always try to tell people, just imagine what our IMB partners are doing overseas. And that's what I am privileged to do here in Arkansas. So essentially doing international missions in the state. Okay, so. so what does that look like on a practical scale? What are you trying to do? What is it that you you believe God's calling you to do in that role? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so the end goal uh, is it ties in with our church planning team. So we want, we want to see more churches started that really have a focus and a heart that are contextualized towards individual people groups. Now, I mean, that can get all complex with languages and stuff like that. But really, how can we simplify church planting so that these international people groups, whether they start a church here in their language with their own families and friends, or whether it's an international student or someone who's going to be going back when a visa is done, they know how to start a church when they go back home because a lot of them are coming from places where we don't have easy access or we're not seeing just a lot of movement right now. So, so. We want to see churches started both here and abroad as a result of ministering in internationals in the state. So, And it's amazing to think how many you know internationals we have here in just Arkansas alone, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But before we do, I want to just ask you, you know, why people groups? When yeah. you think about your story and when you think about the move of God in your life, why and how did you get to this place yeah. where people groups are your main focus? Yeah. Uh, so I was really introduced and then eventually called to international missions while I was in college, thanks to some friends that ruined my life. Um, <laughs> I fell in love with Muslim peoples uh, as a result of some trips that I was able to take in college. And then after I graduated, I spent time as a journeyman uh, with the International Mission Board in North Africa, working primarily among Muslim peoples. Um, when I came back, uh, my wife was studying to be a nurse at Belmont University in Nashville. So I went up to visit her. Uh, one week, and I was sitting in a coffee shop not too far from campus, and I saw a guy sitting across from me in the coffee shop, and I thought, that guy looks like a member of this tribe that I had worked with in North Africa. And so I went over, and I just threw a local greeting out in his language, and he responded, and we spent about two or three hours talking to each other, and found out I knew exactly the area of town, I mean, a city of about 7 million people. I knew the area of town he was from. I had visited a market that his uncle had owned. And in that moment, the world just shrunk for me. So I actually started a conversation, I think, with David James at the time. I said, David, am I crazy to think that we could potentially start churches among these types of people back home in Arkansas? And so uh, I think in that moment, having that vision cast overseas and that experience, but then coming home and the world just kind of shrinking, and the opportunities that are present here. So So when you saw him and when you spoke that common language Mm -hmm. together, what did it do for your soul? I mean, Uh, was it just like fresh water? Yeah, it was refreshing because I was pretty shell-shocked coming back to America. So I had the whole reverse culture shock going on. So it it felt like a bit of home 
Um, and that's kind of been the thing is I've, I have felt God say time and time again, uh, until I send you back or if I never send you back, mobilize as many people as you can. And that's been great and sweet, but there was something refreshing in that moment and, and feeling like God saying, but I'm going to send people to you uh, so that you can fulfill this call wherever you are, you know. And, so. you know, that's the beauty of God's work. Mm-hmm. It is a here and there yeah. aspect, but it's also so much bigger than what we can even get a vision for. Yeah. You know, that's when you know God has really moved in your life yeah. and he's given you a God-sized vision yep. for something that you would have maybe not thought of, but yet he's placed that in your heart and then giving you an, a means to actually walk that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I try to, I've stolen this from a couple different people, but I try to tell people uh, we want to present a big vision, a clear path, and equip people with simple tools uh, to do this. And I really do think there is a clear path. It's just, uh, it's, it's not always an easy path, but it is, it's clear <laughs> what God wants us to do. <laughs> That's you right. Know, so. And he's a way maker, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I think the journey sometimes is hard and long, but it's always worth it. Now, I've heard you throw around some terms when it comes to people groups, and we want to be educated in our, you know, um, process of thinking through what God is doing among, you know, people groups here in Arkansas. So tell us some terms, define those for us, and tell us why those terms were yeah, important. Yeah. So probably the three main terms that I would give. Uh, first one is unreached people groups, which that's probably the one that people are most familiar with. Um, those are populations of similar language, culture, history, etc., where less than 2% of that population is uh, evangelical Christian. Um, so there's a ton of those. There's probably about 7,000 plus of those right now worldwide. In Arkansas, we can count over 76 that fall in that category by the IMB standards. Um, then you have unreached and unengaged, so it's a further level, it's a sub-level of unreached and so they don't have active church planning strategies among them within the last couple of years um, that's a harder grouping of people to uh, pin down because it's a moving target you know you, you've got engagement missionaries move out an organization has to move out or they move in and so that one's changing a little more rapidly um, so they're unreached but they're also unengaged currently um, and of those 76 we have about 23 in the state right now that we could look at and say um, those aren't being engaged right now that we know of with church planning strategies. Um, and then there's another subcategory. We actually have, there's another category of frontier people groups, which are the largest, most unevangelized, least number of workers. Um, and I think last I checked, we have about 11 of those in the state. And they're smaller, but they're mostly from South Asia, from India. Um, But we even have some of those frontier people groups that are like, if we could prioritize anybody because of their population size worldwide and their evangelical status worldwide, these would be the ones to go after. Um, So, yeah. So how do you find those? How do you find in, I mean, like, do you just drive around Arkansas (laughs) pretty much? (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a lot of... uh, I guess you pick up some skills and some things, and a lot of it's just being aware of your surroundings. And so we are guilty of just becoming overly familiar with our surroundings a lot, and we just miss cues, really. And so, you know, in Boxite, where I grew up and where I went to school, you can drive down a road and never pay attention that behind this particular flea market and this old paintball field, there's these colored flags and a rock sign that no one can pronounce what's on it. And it is this beautiful Buddhist temple that looked like it just dropped out of Vietnam back there 
Um, and, but most people don't know it's there. Most people never pass it, and they're never going to pick up on the cues that say it's there. You, and so a lot of it is just paying attention to surroundings, whether it's a, a business, um, something that um, you you pass by, a restaurant, or something like that. And a lot of times it's, it's just through relationships, and so asking questions, uh, whether it's a, a business like a hotel or something, just being inquisitive in conversation, well, who owns this, or looking at the plaque on the sign, just give you little indicators. Um, but then a lot of stuff we rely on, you know, census data is important to us. That kind of gives us a starting point of what to look for. Uh, the schools can be great resources because your kids come home and they've got new friends. Or you look at the demographics of a school district, they're counting languages and they're keeping track and stuff like that. So there's a lot that kind of goes into it. You kind of pull all that together to make um, a big picture. And then there's a website that IMB and NAM. Uh, collaborate on called peoplegroups.info and it's kind of a crowdsourcing version of Joshua Project for North America. <laughs> so lots of different people doing those things all at the same time, punching information in to keep everybody up to date. So. And just to define IMB, International, International Mission, Mission Board. Board and, and North American Mission that's Board right. collaborate on peoplegroups.info. Yeah. So, so I'm going to just really lob yeah. ball you a question here. Yeah. This is like yeah. a super easy one. Uh, and I think we've already you know talked about it, but we really want to solidify why is work among people groups very essential here in Arkansas. Why have we as a convention prioritized this? Why is it that God has given you this passion? Yeah, well, I think, one, we know from Scripture God's heart is for the nations. It always has been, always will be. So as a church, our heart has to be for the nations. Um, and what we see with unreached people groups in particular is those are they're unreached because there's difficulty in getting to them, access to them, sending people to them. And so what a privilege where it used to be we would send our best and our brightest to these places for the sake of the gospel. Now God seemingly in his providence sends the best and the brightest to us. Now sometimes that's through a refugee situation. A lot of times it's through international students in Arkansas or immigrant families that are opening up shops. So, and, and international is one of the cool things about them is they have a really um, intricate balancing act between their life here and their life there. So they maintain both pretty well. Um, and so there's transferring of ideas and beliefs and worldviews always going back and forth. And so if you can give the gospel to them here, uh, you have potentially tapped into a, an oikos or a network of people somewhere around the world. Um, and, and a lot of people will say too that people are more mobile now, more migratory now than at any time in human history. There's more people that are displaced or out of their homelands now than any other time. And so diaspora missions is what we call that. Um, and so it just makes sense. Like if we're truly going to have a heart for the nations, we have to have a heart for the nations that are next door, not just overseas. You know? I can definitely, you know, attest to that in the work that I do, inter international work. You know, I will have a relationship that is a their kind of relationship, mm -hmm. but it always connects back to someone who's here yeah. because they just tend to stay very closely connected, multiple generations, mm -hmm. actually. And so the potential, you know, is absolutely for the purpose of the gospel. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that we have this this just concerted effort where we're really focused in and saying, we're going to identify, yeah. we're going to uh, mobilize, we're going to equip, we're going to go after mm -hmm. the, the people that God has entrusted to us. Yeah. 
So when we think about your ministry and what God's called you to do, I, I have this question because I think it's just really important for us to know what the win is. Mm-hmm. You know, what does success look like? How do you define success in this particular area? Because it's kind of, you know, it's so out there for maybe anything that we've done before. So yeah. tell us a little bit about yeah. that. And I have, so I, one of the things I've been really grateful of is with, when Dr. Tucker stresses our our intention to reach unreached unengaged and underserved um, and then with in order to do that we have to adopt different principles sometimes um, because the rules change a little bit in what that success is um, you're not going to see lots of people in a building you're probably not going to have large budgets in a ministry uh, you're probably not going to have pastors serving them for a while and so we really have to take a lot of cues from our international partners and what they're considering success and for a lot of them it is are we mobilizing people to be faithful? Are people being faithful in gospel conversations? And really it's that parable of the farmer who sows the seed, he goes to bed, he wakes up, he's faithful in the labor, and he looks around and he says, I see this fruit growing and I don't know how this happens, um, but then the harvest is gonna come. And it's really just that faithfulness of um, people sharing their faith, building relationships, um, discipling them. Um, and so yeah, it, it you could get depressed if you, you don't see, you know, a Muslim, for example. It could be years and years and years and years. Um, so I, I think as we can identify more uh, faithful laborers for the harvest field that, that give their energy and their passion and their time to this, um, that's, that's probably the biggest success, you know. We want to and we pray towards churches being started. But ultimately, that's the Lord's work to give us that fruit. Um, and so, yeah, but I think if, if we can be found faithful as people that pray passionately for the nations and we are consistently present with the nations and we're consistently proclaiming the gospel to the nations, I think those are our big measurements of success. You <laughs> what know? great buckets, yeah. right there. Yeah. Three great buckets yeah. to put your time and energy and focus yep. on. Uh, so when we think about your personal calling, what drives you in ministry? Oh, man. Um, it's really a lot of faces. I mean, it's, it's relationships. It's 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 individuals, you know, maybe abroad or at home from these different people groups. That that's not a project. That's that's not a person from whatever tribe or whatever religion. That's my friend, and I I love that person because God loves me first. God loves that person, you know, um, and that is a friend who I dearly desire to see in eternity. And that's really the driving motivation behind it. It's, it's not to mark a people group off a list that people group represents a lot of friends you know um, that I care deeply about yeah and that makes it so personal you know and so it also keeps us very focused on the actual purpose of the gospel Mm -hmm. as it penetrates hearts and lives instead of just like a checklist which can be a trap for all of us in ministry, yeah, yeah. you know, and so that's really neat. All right, I'm sure that there have been all kinds of stories that have been meaningful and have been just like make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah. Can you tell us one or two that just oh, stand man. out as just a move of God? Yeah, there, there are a lot of them. You know, we, we got to celebrate with one of our college students this last spring who was able to baptize a friend that they had discipled. Um, you know, and I think the cool thing about that story was this kid already, almost immediately after coming to faith, was already turning his eye towards his family and his friends back home uh, among a fairly unreached population. 
Um, and so to see that vision cast already, um, you know, we've, we've had some stories of a couple people from Iran in the last uh, year, um, and just to know how, how difficult it is to um, make that decision and to count that cost. And so when you hear of people being faithful, and that's just, it's just cool because uh, probably last spring I got an email from a guy that we kind of minister with, um, and he started asking people to pray for this Iranian guy and didn't share his name. He just asked us to pray. So you pray for him for months. And then from another person, about five months later, I hear that they're going to baptize this Iranian guy at their church. And through conversation, find out that's the same Iranian guy that we've been praying for for like five months. And it was different people that, you know, were all involved. Um, but I think just the simple thing that, you know, he was casting vision and asking people to pray. So much is going on behind the scenes, you know, and then to see the fruit of it beginning. Um, and then just this, just two weeks ago, uh, we just had a story, a testimony shared on stage. Um, you know, God has sent us a, a South Asian believer who has a heart and a passion for his own people here locally, which has been a huge help. Um, he is intentional about equipping lay people in their church, a young lady in the church, doesn't know anything about Indian culture, doesn't know much about Hindu practices and rituals, um, but she just, she just built a relationship with this young Hindu lady who was really struggling, husband having a difficult time getting into the States, um, and for her it was really kind of a, God, would you please, this young lady started praying, God, would you please, I don't know you, don't know anything about you, but would you open a door for my husband to come? And to watch God moving behind the scenes in her life, kind of already speaking to her and prepping her heart. And then this young Arkansas Baptist girl that doesn't know anything about her culture, her religion, just being faithfully present as a friend, uh, has the opportunity two weeks ago to lead her to Jesus. Um, and to sit around a table, that's kind of the, the consistent thing that I get to witness, is sitting around a table of some pastor or planter who is mobilizing a lay person who is really the one that's invested in relationships and equipping that person to be the missionary, quote-unquote, uh, in the harvest field, and then to already be casting vision how this is going to transfer into a husband, into a family, into a friend network. And so those are the cool kinds of things you get to celebrate, you know. And we so, could tell those stories yeah, all day long yeah. because, you know, God is moving, mm -hmm. and that's what we want to just give glory to God yep. and also just to let people know how they can be involved. Yeah. Like there is a need for more harvesters, laborers in the, in the field. And so if someone's listening today and they are saying, okay, I know there are some people groups around me, what do they need to do? What are some first steps? Yeah. Uh, so the obvious ones, right, uh, pray. Uh, so one of the things Bit Stevens and I keep talking back and forth about is we just don't, we just don't think that God is going to give us the nations if we're not pleading and begging him to do so. And so, and I think that's just going to be a, a statewide thing. I think all of us are going to have to gather around and just say, God, would you give us the nations? So, um, so step one, yeah, if, if you have identified or even curious about people groups in your area, in your neighborhood or city or whatever, uh, just start praying for those people groups by name. Um, you can do some simple research, whether it's imb.org or Joshua Project or any of the other sites, to learn something about them. Um, but, but really, uh, as you start to identify those, 
Um, one, I think it's helpful to try to cast vision to other people, kind of create a team effort. So see if there's other people in your church or your community that have a similar heartbeat because um, you don't want to go at it alone. It's not a Lone Ranger type right. ministry. Um, so mobilize some others. Um, and then really, you really have to think through, I think, just your normal rhythms of life and how you're going to prioritize time um, because they can, they can tell immediately if they're your project. And, and so, you know, say, say it's someone, we throw out the example a lot in Sling County of like a nail salon, right? They're all, almost all of them are owned by Southeast Asians. Almost all of them are Buddhists. Um, most of them don't have great English. And so there's going to be some things you have to work through, but nothing can replace your consistent presence. And so what does that look like? Okay, well, I don't know if you can go to the nail salon every single week or not, but start to create opportunities or look for opportunities where you can connect. Um, and so, so you identify these people groups, you try to be consistently present with them in some way, um, and then start almost immediately start trying to introduce Jesus into your conversations. Now that doesn't have to be a full-blown Romans road right away or anything like that, but there needs to be the clear understanding that I am a follower of Jesus. That doesn't need to be a secretive part of our life. Um, for many of these people groups, religion is a natural part of who they are, and it's, it's actually more awkward for them to not know anything about who you are and your faith uh, whereas it's the opposite for us in our culture, you know, you're kind of taught to be hush-hush about it. But for them, it's just natural part of life. And so um, we try to tell people in the first couple meetings with someone, just start introducing who you are, why you care about people. Uh, you don't have to preach a sermon or lay out a gospel track, but at least introduce them to the, the idea that Jesus is a big deal in your life, you know, so... Yeah, and so you're in this relationship, and you're introducing the gospel, and mm -hmm. then you're trusting God, right? Yeah. I mean, you're trusting Him every step of the way, yeah. but there's that moment of going, thankfully, it's not on me to save this person, yeah. right? God works. God moves. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're faithful in the process, you yeah. know, and we're consistent in the process. Yeah. At some point, do you want them to contact you about maybe a people group or something in their area? Yeah, it is, it is helpful if we know, because it... Those aren't just easy things to come up with, those demographics. So as much as people can let us know, even if it's something small like, hey, this donut shop or this apartment complex uh, has some folks there, you know, we like to come behind and alongside churches to maybe verify that. Maybe we can narrow in on some more specifics. Maybe we can come alongside you and help you think strategically through some ways to create more consistent presence among them. But then the other thing, too, is by knowing about them, we can network you with other people. So already we've kind of created this kind of organic, informal network among people working with South Asian Hindus because we know who has a heart for them and we know where they are. And so just recently I met um, uh, one of our international mission board missionaries who's stateside, specializes in a particular religion. Well. If I know where people from that religion are scattered around the state, while that person is stateside for the next few months, I can connect that family in those areas. They're going to be the expert that can equip you how to best engage a Buddhist or whatever. Um, and so that's why it is, it's helpful to collaborate, to network together. So yeah, let us know if we can offer any training along the way, whether it's worldview training or just the best way to do a discipleship group with them, you know. Um, 
Yeah. So tell us your email address. Yeah, so jnaramore, N-A-R-A-M-O-R-E, at absc.org. Uh, you can also go to absc.org slash peoplegroups, and that's kind of our ministry page. There's a link on there where you can actually fill out a Google form that says, hey, I met a person from this language or this country at this place, right? And we'll keep track of that. We actually uh, facilitate all that into that people group's website um, so we can keep track of where people are. Um, events are listed there, some training materials listed there. Um, yeah. It's so. great. Great work. So excited about what God's doing. You know, for me and my personal testimony, probably uh, very few things have just radically changed my life as much as going on a mission trip, right? Yeah. You know, getting outside of my world, getting outside of my bubble in a sense, and going and seeing that this world is a big place, but also it's a small place. Yeah. You know, like you talked about earlier, what an incredible privilege we have to enter our day every day on mission for God and how that is going to reach the nations, but it's going to change us in the process and give us a sensitivity to God and his work right in our midst right here. And so we're praying for revival in Arkansas. We're praying for, you know, churches to be strengthened. We're we're praying for God to raise up individuals to lead and serve. And so thank you, Jamie, for the work that you're doing among people groups. Uh, We want to come alongside of you. We want to cheer with you and we want to actually go into the harvest field and trust God to do things that are above and beyond what we can ask or imagine. So keep up the good work, friend, and we will uh, continue to labor together. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope today's episode helps you embrace the full free abundant life that God provides. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to Inspire on the Go. If you would like more encouragement to help you grow in your faith, visit my website at andrealennonministry.org. Come back next time and enjoy another episode of Inspire on the Go.